Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The jobless numbers were bad today. Watch Fox News, Fair and Balanced. Uh, Fox and Friends earlier this morning. I wait every Thursday morning to hear the jobless numbers, and maybe you can tell me. Give me your best opinion. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We've gotten ahead of ourselves. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Today's date is July 19, 2012. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Now, oh, and the call-in number is 347-884-8500. Now, is it, is it, is it weird, is it wrong to root for... Poor jobless numbers. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want Obama gone so bad, so badly, that every Thursday morning, when the new jobless numbers are announced on Fox, Fox and Friends, which I watch every single morning. Uh, Monday through Friday, uh, 
I I wait patiently or impatiently rather for those numbers to come out, and I hope that they're bad numbers. I don't want Obama to have anything to hang his hat on during the next four months. I don't. I don't want him to be able to come out and spin uh, relatively decent numbers and say the economy's moving forward. I need four more years, you know, to get this job done. Which is why we want to talk about Obama's socialist mantra first off in our first uh, segment as risk takers are labeled free riders. Who knew that the speech that Obama gave in Roanoke, Virginia just a few days ago would have such legs? I mean, not just in blog talk radio land, but all across the conservative media. And beyond conservative media, into the liberal population. Even liberals are up in arms over what the president said about workers. And my main man, John Lovitz. God love that guy. <laughs> I never thought John Lovitz was, would be a conservative. I mean, if you had to have a list of uh, comedians or, uh, or, or entertainers who would be conservative, John Lovitz would not be on that list. He wouldn't be on my list, but he but here he is. My goodness. John Lovitz is the Mac of all daddies right now. Hey, we're going to take a short break, play a couple of promos, and then we'll get right back. Now, there have been a lot of requests in my email for some of uh, Paul Shanklin's parodies. You know the parodies that are played on, uh, on Rush Limbaugh's show? Uh, those parodies are done by a man, by a comedian uh, by the name of Paul Shanklin. A lot of you may not have heard of him, but he uh, is the king of uh, Rush Limbaugh's parodies, of political parodies in terms of uh, songs. And so you might enjoy the two that I'm going to play in this segment, and then I'll play one, one or two more, you know, before the show, uh, before the show ends. But here's here's one that is very appropriate for right now. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into it. Hey, hey, feel free to call in. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. All right. Hey, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, reading what Southern Sense has put in the chat room. Very, very amusing. <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, John Lovitz is a liberal. He's pissed because Obozo is not what he expected. I have the rant. Too funny. Okay. I'm sure that Southern's probably going to play. I hope she plays that on her show tomorrow, uh, which is on at 2 p.m. If you're still working at that hour, me, I don't have a job. I'm retired. I don't I don't get up and go to work every day. And what a shame because sometimes I get up and I don't have anything to do. But, hey, if you're working tomorrow, just, you know, discreetly pull up your browser Bring up blogtalkradio.com. In the search box, type Southern Sense. Her page will come up. Just turn the audio up just as, you know, just so you can hear it. Just so you can, you know, hear it while you're in your cubicle or in your office. And and listen to Southern Sense, Annie the Radio Chick, with her co-host, Cool Mike. The show is awesome. you got to dig it. you got to. You will. I mean... 
you know, check it out. Check it out. You got, you know, what do you got to lose? You got a lot to learn. Hey, I'll be right back. Once again, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We'll be right back. While you're away, don't forget the right. We'll think of you every day and night. What they need is friendship, 
and friendship causes pain. Uh, Israel and Hamas, they're both the same. I'm Barack. I'm the Messiah. Tear down this wall between government and your people. I want everyone to have skin in the game. We already have your trousers, the shirt off of your back. What makes you think I'm satisfied with that? I'm Barack. I'm the Messiah. And Barack feels your pain. And I think you'll be surprised. All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Hey, um, those are um, uh, tunes by uh, Paul Shanklin. Um, I started listening. Well, Paul Paul uh, began doing parodies for Russia's show back in 1998, and I was a a listener of Russia's uh, way back then, which wasn't that far away. Well, 1997, 19, uh, 98, and um. You know, I was a ditto head back then. I attended a lot of the Rush to Excellence tours. I got a chance to meet Paul uh, once, uh, very briefly. Um, you know, nice man. But uh, his um, his parodies are great. So, uh, you know, I'll be glad to, to send those out to uh, to Southern. Uh, you know, as many as she as many as many as she wants. Uh, you know, we'll get those out there. But hey, um, and any blog talk host who who likes the really good Paul Shanklin parodies. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll happily provide them. They're they're really 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 good. There are some that date all the way back to um, to the first uh, the first uh, Bush uh, Bush uh, presidency even. But more more uh, they they really became extremely popular on Russia's show uh, during um, the Clinton administration. Certainly, there are some really hilarious uh, Clinton parodies there. But hey, let's get on with the show. Ideology. Ideology. That's what it's all about. In Barack Obama's war on American exceptionalism, he's uh, turned the sights on exceptional Americans now. If you built a successful business, it wasn't your dream or your sweat. According to Obama, somebody else made that happen. The unbridled disdain Obama has for the entrepreneur who works hard and risks everything, well, his disdain was made plain when he told supporters in Roanoke, and I quote, if you've got a business, you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen, end quote. Now, we've been talking about this all week long. Not just folks on Blog Talk Radio. No. I'm talking about this has been a media sensation and a big mess for the Obama administration. Some folks are saying that this put a spark of fire under Romney's butt, got him off his butt, 
And it also says that, and some are saying that this is a point where Obama may have jumped the shark. Now, yeah, a lot of you have heard the term jump the shark, but a lot of you don't know where that term actually came from and how it originated. So we're going to get off message just a bit while I explain it because a lot of you, you know, if anybody can tell me where jump the shark came from originally, call in right now. Three four seven eight eight forty five hundred. I got something really nice for you. How about that? You got a couple of minutes. So this was the stun- this was stunning news and a colossal slap in the face to the millions of small business owners, who, who, you know, folks who like me who get up every day and by the sweat of our brow and the drive of our ambition still pursue the American dream in spite of the obstacles and hurdles that this administration has put in front of us. We've worked very hard. Jump the shark. Here's where it comes from. Somebody's taking it's taking too long. Back when Happy Days was winding down uh, and the writers were running out of um, ideas for the show, there was an episode where Fonzie, along with his hot chick, Pinky Tuscadero, were at a beach resort. Can you imagine that? The Fonz at a beach resort wearing a leather jacket. No less. He uh, he donned some some water skis, and behind the power boat was pulled on his water skis. On his, and and he and his whole his whole deal for that episode was he was going to jump a shark tank on the water skis. Now imagine the Fonz is wearing a leather jacket. And some shorts, and he's being pulled behind a powerboat with water with, with water skis. Do they even use those things anymore? And he's going to jump over the shark tank. Well, of course he was successful. But then again, after that, <laughs> the show was just not the same. And it was not renewed for its final season, which I think was season 13 or 14 or whatever, somewhere around there. And so that's where the term jump the shark comes from. The Fonz jumped the shark tank. The show was never the same. And after that season, it was done. So what we have here, folks, is President Obama seemingly jumping the shark. And Obama's... In Obama's collectivist world, in fact, in his collectivist worldview, we're all ants on a social ant farm. Or we're sheep being led by a government shepherd. Wealth, as we now know, is not to be created, but to be redistributed in a manner of the Marxist slogan. And that slogan is, to each according to his need... And from each, according to his ability. That's the official Marxist slogan. Your success, Obama says, is not your own. There, according to Obama, and I quote, was a great teacher somewhere in your life, end quote. He tells us that somebody invested in roads and bridges Is it a coincidence that virtually the only 
people President Obama gives credit to for anything are teachers and construction unions. And, of course, what with apologies to Al Gore, we're told, quote, government research created the Internet so that all the companies could make money off the Internet, end quote, which is a completely and utterly stupid thing to say. The Internet was actually con- actually constructed for the uh, Defense Department, military purposes, so that military bases could talk to each other over computers. So Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, the founder of Google, Facebook, and Twitter are all parasitic pretenders who owe their success and their billions to the government. Without government, there would be no Mac computer or iPad, perhaps? Uh, Michelangelo didn't paint the Sistine Chapel, you know. Credit must be given to the folks who built the scaffolding and the person who invented the paint, I suppose. Of course, this is the president who, in a speech delivered at a high school in Osawatomie, Kansas, last December, and we talked about it many times, argued while a limited government that preserves free markets, quote, speaks to our rugged individualism, end quote, such as a system doesn't work, he said, and has never worked. President Obama outright came out and said it. He came out of the closet that day. Given that speech at Osawatomie, Kansas, was when Obama came out of the closet. Free markets speaks to our rugged individualism. Such a system doesn't work and has never worked, Obama said. And that Americans must look to a more activist government that taxes more, spends more, and regulates more. According to Obama, his poll numbers should have dropped right then and there. Are any of you as concerned as I am right now that the race is still tight with just four months to go after Obama says all these Marxist, socialist, Leninist things? Is anybody else concerned besides me? The race is still tight. Back in the old days, in the 70s and 80s, if any politician had the balls to come right out and say this kind of stuff, he'd be done. He would be done. It would be over. Game over. Free market capitalism. And liberty, liberty, I can't have any trouble speaking tonight. And limited government took us from a, a colonial backwater to an economic and military superpower that could defeat Imperial Japan, Nazi Germany, fascist Italy, and the Soviet Union, and then put men on the moon simply because we, we felt like it. But now, now Obama wants to change all that. It's not your effort and toil and sweat that got you where you are. You didn't do that. Somebody else did that. 
Well, <laughs> we're going to take one more short break, and then we're going to come right back. And we're going to talk about The Marxist Heart of Darkness by Bruce Walker, who wrote an article in The American Thinker, which I thought, after I read it earlier today, is completely appropriate for what we're talking about here. And if you don't subscribe to The American Thinker, it's free. Uh, yeah, log in and uh, you know set up a and set up a uh, you know an account with the American Thinker and check out some of their articles because most of the articles written in the American Thinker are written by people like you and me. I contribute often to the American Thinker. You know, send in your uh, you know your 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 words, your verbiage, your ideas, uh, your thoughts, and I can pretty much guarantee they'll be published on the, on the website. They, they. I mean, if if they're sane, if they're sanely, uh, you know, and properly written, you know, and uh, you know, they'll put them up there for you. Hey, we're gonna take one more break. I got a request for the banking queen, given that Barney Frank is, you know, on his way out the door. Someone uh, wrote an email saying that they wanted to hear, just one more time, the banking queen. So we're gonna put that one out there for Barney. You know, give him a fond farewell send off with the banking queen. And then we'll come right back and we'll get on to the next topic. Hey, if you feel like it, if you've got something to say, call in to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call in number is 347 884 We'll be right back. Banking queen, Barney Frank. Come on. <laughs> Needed while the stocks were shaking. 
Robert Jones situation report. I'm glad some of you guys like the uh, promos by. Uh, well, not the promos. The um, I was thinking when I thought when I thought promos, I saw um, I saw uh, Stay Mad Radio. Uh, Dave Graham, who writes uh, and and produces some awesome promos for a lot of blog talk radio hosts, and so I just tied in promos with what he typed in the chat room and used the word promos. Isn't that amazing how the mind works? But um, these uh, parodies are done by Mr. Paul Shanklin, who does uh, a lot of his promos for um, Rush Limbaugh's – well, uh, exclusively for Rush Limbaugh's show. And uh, yeah, I'll gladly go ahead and you know distribute those. But hey, um, let's uh, – we'll have one more of um, – you know, Paul Shank, uh, of a Paul Shanklin parody before the show ends, but then, but uh, but right now, let's get into something a little bit more serious. I see we've got Tracy, we've got uh, Bob USMC in the house, of course, Southern Sense is here, and 2020 has popped in. Glad to see him here. By the way, 2020 has a great show. Uh, 2020 Radio, uh, 2020. I sound like Tweety Bird today. What the hell is going on? 
um, twenty twenty radio network. Tune into his show. It is awesome, 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 awesome. It's one of the best um, blog talk radio shows in uh, you know uh, uh, on the conservative side. Certainly in all of blog talk radio. So uh, you've got to you've got to tune in. And while we're at it, GGT one eighty three, Cool Mike and Sarge uh, on at eleven thirty weeknights. I myself am far too old to be able to stay up that late unless I am highly stimulated in one form or another, and that isn't often the case. So (laughs) I find myself tuning in from time to time. I wish I could stay up that late. And tune into the show, and you know, and and remain awake. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I can't stay awake because the show is amazing and awesome. The show is not boring. I'm just an old man. I mean, their show is almost exclusively in the top uh, 15, top 30 shows on Blog Talk Radio and the conservative side. So, gotta check them out. Yeah, Sarge does rock, rock on. Those who doubted Obama's emergence into Marxism now have a perfect window into his soul, namely in the form of the stunning class warfare remarks he recently made in Roanoke, Virginia. This from an article called The Marxist Heart of Darkness, which can be found on the American Thinker or on the American Thinker website by Mr. Bruce Walker. He goes on to say, we must grasp, however, what Marxism is and what it is not. Marxism is not a political philosophy, not one to help the poor at the expense of the rich, and it's not a design for a utopian future. Marxism is simply a heart of darkness, a Siamese twin to Nazism, a curse on all humanity committed to three themes. One, hatred. Two, misery. And three, just outright lying. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with what Marxism really is? And if so, is Barack Hussein Obama a Marxist? Marxism is neither a science nor a system of belief. You see, I didn't know that. Honestly, it is a rationale for seizing power and terrorizing all those who are not its cadres. Marxism, English socialism, or in Gothic was a secular religion of George Orwell's Oceana in Orwell's Masterpiece 1984. The interrogator of Winston Smith explains the goals of Ngasak. And that is, and I quote, power is not a mean, it is an end. End quote. One does not establish a dictatorship in order to safeguard a revolution One makes a revolution in order to establish a dictatorship. The object of persecution is, in fact, persecution. The object of torture is torture. The object of power is power. Do you agree with that? Huh. Hatred. Hatred is helped when people are in pain. So creating gratuitous misery is a goal of Marxism. A key maxim of Marxism is the worst, the worse, the better. The Soviets were not bashful about announcing what they wanted. 
the misery and oppression of the masses must be intensified to an extraordinary degree. Nickenbacher, in his uh, 1941 book about totalitarianism in Europe, observed that even before the war, in both Germany and Russia, the omnipotent, omnivorous state had devoured all but a vestige of happiness. As the two regimes of hatred went forward along their prospective path, each lost gradually. Even the desire to promote the happiness of anyone, even of its own people. And he went on to ask, Is tomorrow's Hitler? Lenin in 1918 showed that he did not even have a plan for a happy world. He quoted, he's quoted as stating, our party has not written a new program, and the old one is worthless. End quote. Socialism has ceased to be a dogma, just as it, is a, it, it has ceased to be a program. Proceeding of, pro, that, that's from the proceedings of the Fifth, all, the fifth All-Russian Congress of Soviets. Such hatred naturally led to an embrace of state totalitarianism against ordinary people. So is this what we have with our current president? I'm not so sure. I mean, I don't like the guy any more than you do, but do you think that President Obama is fostering hatred? Do you think that the president of the United States wants us all to live in misery so that we're all equal? Perhaps... If we're all equally miserable, I don't know. I'm not sure. I've only recently watched the movie, Orwell's 1984. I read the book a couple of times. But is this the enemy we face? Whose present mask is Obama. This enemy does not want people to love each other. It does not want mankind happier, and it loathes truth as a mortal enemy. There's a reason why Marxism has failed everywhere and utterly, and yet some still embrace it wholeheartedly. The Marxist heart of dark, dark, darkness has, not, has no noble motives at all. It is jealous of joy and honor and immune to any argument. Our only hope is in its defeat. Is this what Obama's all about? Well, he did state that he sought out the structural feminist, which I have no idea what that means, but he sought those folks out. The Marxist professors, he said. He, he liked hanging out with those folks. So when Obama attacked the free enterprise system and he starts talking about fairness – what is and isn't fair, and how there are those of us who have more than some others, and somehow and that's just not fair. It's not fair that I should have two microphones here, one I can use if I don't want to use the one I'm using. Maybe somebody else can use that other mic. Why should I have two when there are those who have none? 
never mind that I worked for it, paid for it, and, you know, it's mine. <laughs> That's just inconvenient. President Obama's right about one thing. There's a lot of unfairness in America. And, but unfortunately, he is the source of much of it. Last time I heard so much talk about fairness, as in the plaintiff, that's not fair, was when my children were toddlers. But Obama seems to think that the world will have some spellbind the word will have some spellbinding effect when wielded against the wealthy Mitt Romney. You know, there's a book I read. Actually, I listened to it in audiobook version called um, The Amateur. And in that book, when Barack Obama was running for Congress against uh, Bobby Rush, his wife implored him, his wife Michelle implored him not to run against Bobby Rush for Bobby Rush's congressional seat. He didn't have the money, and he was going to bankrupt the family. Well, he ran anyway, and he bankrupted the family, and his wife was going to leave him. Michelle was going to divorce him. In fact, she filed for divorce and had the papers all drawn up, and Barack was despondent. So he went to some of his political backers, some of his friends, and asked them for a loan. Upwards of $400,000. They balked at giving him that much money, but ultimately, they did. Michelle said, if you ever get us in this kind of trouble again, we're done. This from the book, The Amateur. And of course, it's all fact. Um, you can look up uh, you know, this information almost anywhere. But according to Michelle... She wanted her family to live a relatively decent and secure life. Of course, they were no longer allowed to practice law. They were forced to voluntarily surrender their law licenses, so working as lawyers was not an option. But when Barack Obama got his family into deep debt, Michelle had had enough. She was gonna drop his ass like a like a hot potato, like a bad habit. Is there some irony here? Anywhere in that? Because oh, as we know now, Obama has ditched the the hope and change slogan of his 2008 campaign, and is now peddling the fairness mantra. He promised he'll make life fair. For all Americans, all Americans, he lost his strategy when he called up the spirit of Teddy Roosevelt in Kansas back in December. It is redolent to of the uh, the uh, come of uh, the behind the victory of uh, Harry Truman, who preached that fair deal for Americans. Remember that Obama attempted to passed the Paycheck Fairness Act. Do you remember that one? <laughs> it was a law supposedly designed to help women sue businesses for gender-based wage discrimination. Even the Washington Post thought it was deeply flawed, and it was struck down in the Democrat-controlled Senate. 
but it's played into the fairness and Republican war on women campaign. And once again, let me ask you this right here and now. Is anybody worried that the race is still tied at this juncture? Think of all the mess that Obama has made so far and all the class warfare. The fact that he has divided this country along racial and socioeconomic lines. He's not done this country any good. And I would have to be fair, and I think it's fair to say that at this juncture, even Jimmy Carter was a better president than Barack Hussein Obama. If that is true, though, why is it that the race is still close? Is it because Romney is no Ronald Reagan? Or is it because Barack Obama has at least half the the voting population of this country fooled? It's at the point, to my mind, where Barack Obama can do no wrong in the eyes of his supporters. That he can pretty much say whatever he wants and pretty much get away with it. I don't know. I just, I, I am just astounded and deeply concerned that the race at this juncture is this close. Is anybody else, does anybody really care out there? I know you do. I just thought I'd say that. I think that this president has really mesmerized the American people to the point where he can pretty much say whatever he wants. When you tell the American popul- the, the 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 business population that the businesses that they work so hard to establish, the free enterprise system, small businesses, don't really matter, that their success should not be attributed to them, but it was the government that's responsible. And you're still you're still high in the polls? To me, that that's worrisome. Well, we'll take a short break, our last break of the evening, and we'll come right back and we'll finish up. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I remember America. Sure, you can still find it on a map, but nobody older than 20 thinks this is America. Even if coordinates are the same, we've lost our compass. You don't have a direction without reference, a true north. For America, it was liberty. When we lost the love of liberty, our understanding of liberty, it was just a matter of time before the rest of it was lost. Some think it started when the auto companies were nationalized, or the police state to control the internet, or when certain companies couldn't fail because their relationship with politicians made them too big to fail, and the rest of us, without political influence, were too small to succeed. Sure, that all happened pretty quickly, over just a couple of years, but liberty had been gradually devolving for decades. Some of the more astute, like Ayn Rand, saw it about 50 years before others. She warned us, but people didn't believe it could happen here until it did. Laws had been used to loot productive individuals and businesses, but in the new millennium, under Bush and Obama, graft, corruption, 
crony capitalism were no longer hidden behind closed doors. The looters and their laws came out of hiding like rabid animals that were no longer afraid of humans. It was brought into the spotlight, and it was celebrated as enlightened economic policy. Ayn Rand asked the question and Atlas Shrugged that the rest of us were asking 60 years later. Which failing financial institution will the administration pluck from the flames of crisis, and which will it let roast? Which market or investment technique will the regulators bless? And which, in a capricious change of rules, will it condemn or outlaw? As John Galt said in his radio address, You decided you had a right to your wages, but we had no right to our profits. You called it selfish and cruel that men should trade value for value. But you've now established an unselfish society where they trade extortion for extortion. People who had never produced or managed anything tried to manage every aspect of our lives, and they brought production to a standstill. And eventually, they decided to micromanage the food supply in the name of fairness and safety. And we all know what happened then. Fiction can be a powerful influence, for good or bad. It's too bad more people didn't read Atlas Shrugged. They might have realized where this was heading. Woo! I don't know if this is a good idea, son. Using funk. But, Dad, we got to reach out to our base somehow. Besides, I love James Brown. <laughs> what will your mother think? The border goes from coast to coast. Easy to get into here. We got intercontinental overload. Just slip under the fence. It don't make any sense. When there's no documentation, that's too far. And somehow or some way, we're going to find out who you are. Sneaking in America. Trying to hide from immigration. Sneaking in America. Across the land, across the nation. Sneaking in America. Admit it now, say I Sneak in America huh. Y'all do better than that How about all 12 million of you join me? I, I Sneak in America I don't know uh, Wait a minute You may not be looking for illegals But you will find them anyway Done good. Pablo, I got some great news. You're no longer an illegal. No? No! You're our guest worker, yes. Put our country to the test. Tie a noose around our neck. Olay, and we'll do all the rest. 
My Mikasa, it is yours. Don't forget to mop the floors. Guacamole is delicious. I can't stand your other dishes. Time to sing, time to dance. Someday we'll be like France. You're a voting bot, that's why I love you best. And we don't dare offend you. You snuck in and so you'll be our guest. Worker, yes, you're our guest. You're our guest, worker, yes. Cross immigration off your list. When the pilgrims came to shore, did they cross the border? Yes! So you've broken all the laws. Well, we all have our flaws. You can make me a big winner. I met Falwell, the big center. I tell jokes, I'll do tricks. Anything to con the hicks. I ignore the right cause they're all nativists. Come on and lift a glass. You've won your own free pass. You're our guest, worker, yes. You're our guest. All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. That was uh, your guest worker, Paul Shanklin Parody. I don't really like that one so much. It's a little bit too busy, but uh, it was next in line, so I went ahead and played it anyway. But I'm sorry, I was just reading some of the, the, the comment in the chat room. Uh, Sir Oswald Wigglesworth. That is a cool name for a cat. I mean, it would be a cool name for a dog. It would be No, no, it would be an okay name for a dog. But for a cat, that is one cool name. It, I mean, I think the name fits a cat more than it would a dog. I mean, you wouldn't call a cat Rover, but you could call a dog Rover. Or if you had like a pet python, you wouldn't call the pet python, you know, like Jack, I guess. But you could name a python Sir Oswald Wigglesworth. Well, I don't know why I'm saying these things. Um, You know, as I said, I'm an old man and, you know, sometimes we get off message and off topic and say really crazy things that's why you know we have old politicians like um well you know what I'm talking about now back to what we were talking about fairness Obama's latest fairness gambit was his proposal to allow taxes to raise for high earners remember that he wants to um well he wants those folks making under two hundred thousand dollars to get you know to keep their tax the taxes the way they are, but for the very rich ooh those making over two hundred fifty thousand dollars are considered to be rich, and that's just for families by the way, anyone earning more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars annually. But while keeping the Bush tax cuts for those below that figure, the desperate treatment was justified in the interest of fairness to raise or rather let the Bush tax cuts lapse. So those job creators, you know, your local cleaners or your local like my my one of my my fine Saigon, um, you know, uh, restaurant, 
uh, a Vietnamese restaurant I like uh, up the road there. You know, they're 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 probably going to be closing their doors soon. You know, a lot of the the restaurants, the dry cleaners, even some of the gift shops that cater to a lot of the tourists who come through uh, Old Town, they're going to be hit hard. The fuel that drives job creation would be sucked out of the small business market into Washington, D.C. Is that fair? Is that fair for the job creators, the small businessmen, or even the folks looking for jobs, workers looking for jobs? Obama signaled his desire to take money away from the rich very early in his career. Going back to his community organizer days, most Americans only became aware of his agenda in 2008 when he touted that he wanted to, quote, spread the wealth. He said it's good for everybody when you spread the wealth. But there was also a time before this when the self-declared master poker player showed his hand. He told Charles Gibson that he wanted to raise capital gains taxes even if government revenues would fall. All in the interest, again, of that magical word fairness. Imagine, if you will. The biggest spending president in American history would rather take money away from people then increase the amount the government takes in every year. But Obama's presidency really does fail the, the fairness test in many ways. Is it fair that one half of all Americans pay no federal income tax? They have an interest in extracting as much money from the government, that is, taxpayers, as they can get their hands on. Coincidentally, or not, that seems to be the same level of rock-solid support for this president. Barack Obama has helped to create this permanent dependency just because, or not just by his anti-growth policies, but by subtle and stealthily changing the definition of the poverty level in ways that triggers literally a nerve-ending redistribution of income. And that's where we are, folks. And he's getting away with it. The poll numbers show that Barack Hussein Obama and Mitt Romney are neck and neck, tied, even with everything Barack Obama has said. So where do we go from here? Well, we'll find out. Once again, you've been listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We are out of time. I've gone on way too long. Perhaps it was the parodies. I don't know. But hey, tune in to Southern Sense tomorrow at 2 p.m. GDT 183 tonight at 1130. And I'm not quite sure. I'm almost never quite sure when 2020 is broadcasting other than Wednesday. But we'll have to get him in there too. All right, folks, we're out of time. We've got just 39 seconds left. Have a wonderful weekend. And uh, hey, I'll be, this I'll be listening to the shows this weekend. We're out. Good night, folks. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. All right. Woo!